Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 26th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Kevin Welch. And this week on the podcast, we will discuss some major happenings uh, on the Pittsburgh Penguins front. A certain somebody returned to their lineup last night. You may have heard of him, Sidney Crosby. And since our last podcast, they have made a commitment to their uh, one of their goaltenders long-term, well, sort of long-term, mid-term, uh, re-signing Matt Murray. We'll talk a little bit about that and some other happenings with the team. We'll also uh, talk about some teams in, in the East that are interesting to us, uh, Florida being one, Toronto being another. And um, in the West, there are some teams that we've kind of badmouthed, and they find themselves on the top, near the top of their divisions, and that would be Edmonton and Vancouver. And and we'll get into a little bit about what's going on with those teams. So, without further ado, we will begin. Pittsburgh got their captain back, and uh, he looked how you would think he would look. Good. He looked great, really. Like you expect to see a little bit of, of, of rust in regards to finishing touch and stuff like that. But the goal he scored on the power play was um, was very nice. And that Pittsburgh team suddenly looks better because everybody's slotted in where they should be. Yeah, it really makes a difference in how they slot those centers over the course of time. Uh, Sid looked great. He was driving possession like a monster. Um, I know after two periods, he was like 17 shot attempts for and five against which obviously is very good, plus the power play goal. Not much more you can ask for. I suppose a few more points, but I think you're getting greedy at that point. <laughs> um, it's it, it was an interesting game to watch because you sort of – I thought Florida were going to sort of pants at the start of the game. Florida looked, looked really, really good, but um, – that that power play for Pittsburgh actually cut its shit together eventually and um, managed to to get moving forward and I know Sid's shot was great but Kessel's effort to keep the puck in the zone and Geno's effort to win it back and then make that pass to a wide open Sid you had to feel kind of bad for Roma. Uh, Sidney Crosby was literally wide open in the slot so <laughs> what are you gonna do? Tough to pin that one on a goalie. No, that's exactly right. Like you just you just pray you you guess correctly and he shoots it into your glove or into your pad or something. Um, something else I took away from that game last night. Scott Wilson looked um, looked the part with Sid. I think that's what they're trying to see with him. With Connor Sherry out, it's nice to have kind of a, a guy like that to to be placed in a position like that. I didn't think he looked out of place at all. I don't think he was a drain on the line. And I think over the course of time, you get a little bit of familiarity with the two players. Uh, that that could be something. Connor Sheary may, unfortunately, from his eye injury, which will be reevaluated next week, may may lose his spot on that line. That would suck for him, but not necessarily for the team. Because if Wilson does take his spot, in theory, it should mean that he statistically performed better than Sheary. Um, and then hopefully you can just filter Sherry down the lineup and, and place him somewhere else in the in the roster. My assumption would be if everyone filters in, it would be uh, Eric Fair that would be the odd man out because Kunuckle's looked. Um, I've been pretty happy with Kunuckle 
through the start of the season as well. But what I've liked about Wilson is he reminds me a lot of when Kunitz used to play up there a lot. Puts the puck in areas that Sid can go and chase, uh, knows where to be to get the puck back, um, and isn't afraid to shoot. He just has to get it through a little bit better, but he's definitely got a scorer's touch, I think, which is what Kunitz has lost. I think he's a better goal scorer than Connor Sheary. I think their AHL samples are proof enough of that. Yes. I'm talking yeah, Scott yeah. Wilson, not Kunitz, obviously. No, yes, I did know that. <laughs> um, you, I know we we were going to lead and talk about Sid, but you you did transition into something that I've been noticing lately, and that's been Eric Fair's underwhelming play. And, yes, I am fully aware who had a game-winning goal last night, and that was a very good play, Eric Fair scoring it. Um, off a great Kunhakel play. But coming into the game, Fair was sitting at 35.7% for possession. That is totally unacceptable as from a numbers standpoint. Now, some of his time has been spent with Tom Sestito, so you have to have context there. Um, what isn't clear is why Tom Sestito is 5% better than Eric Fair to this point. Yeah, okay, that's a little baffling, to be perfectly honest. So what are we doing here? Uh, Eric Fair had low offensive numbers in the regular season last year, and so far his possession this year has been woefully low. And I will continue to say that that's a dispensable $2 million on the salary cap if the team needs to make moves moving forward. We're five games in, I get it, or seven, seven games in. But when, I, yeah. when you talk about Scott Wilson doing a nice job in his tweener top six role right now, Sherry has shown in that tweener top six role, he's done a nice job. Jake Gensel chilling down in the AHL, he's probably doing good things down there still. Uh, you got some cheaper options that can fill that spot and all skate a little bit faster. Well, you, you didn't include Rust in amongst that either. Um, yes, uh, so the, the, apologies. The, the tweener role. So you got options there. It's something that they didn't have when they actually made the signing for fair. Hey, and you and I were both for that trade, like for that signing. Like we were both yeah, big on change, that. I don't change my stance no. on that at all. It's just things and have happened act, since. And the well, a big change in coach helps. Um, and, and the other argument is um, for, for for last year for for me anyway was. Elbow injury, never really got a chance to start the season in flow. None of that for this year. And it is concerning on a team that is usually good with possession. Admittedly, everybody's played a little bit out of their position in the lineup. He struggled mightily. Like, you know, we know the HBK line had struggled a bit as well. So, you know, might give fair another three or four games if, if the forward lineup stays the same and maybe his numbers will, will jump back up to something that's more acceptable like a 49 or a 48. Yeah, for a fourth-line player, right? Yeah, and that's the, that's exactly sort of my expectation is not to get absolutely buried, um, but to make sure that the puck, as a general rule, isn't trapped in his own like it is at a 35% rate at the moment. So this is something to track moving forward. This isn't... Um... This doesn't mean it's uh, okay. The the book has been written. Eric Fair's 2016-17 season with Pittsburgh is a failure. Um, no, this is just uh, things I've noticed. Things we should pay attention to moving forward if they do not improve. Now that Sestito's off his line, 
and Matt Cullen will be his center, who was leading the team in possession when Sid was out. It does show you the depth of the roster. And he was playing a lot with Scott Wilson, who played well possession-wise with Cullen, and obviously I, I assume he's going to do the same with Sid. How could he not? So that, that that's another sign of Scott Wilson doing a good job. But then Kuhnhackel, who I thought he could have been the odd man out heading into the season with, with uh, Wilson and Sheary being left wingers and Gensel uh, after he showed up at training yeah. camp showing well. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I've, he looks a lot faster this year. And that goal last night, uh, there's really not much to analyze on it other than Tom Kuhnhaka won some personal battles with speed and then made a great pass to Eric Fair, who distributed it five-hole. Um, I wonder whether he played injured towards the tail end of the year last year. He did. Very he believable. Did. He did. Very believable. And then obviously managed to get healthy pretty quickly after the cup and then has just been able to work on getting some more power in, the, in that skating stride because um, – He had a lower body definitely... injury. That was – yep. Yeah. So he's definitely shown um, an extra push, an extra stride that um, obviously surprised a few of the, the Florida Panthers as, as the game went along, but he certainly looks a different skater this year. And he was no, he got drafted as having a, a score as touch. So if he gets um, a little bit extra time now because of his extra speed, he might get his hands back a little bit. Uh, what I liked about that play, and he spoke about it after the game, uh, how sometimes he'll just chip and chase that. But this time he decided, hey, I'm going to try and make a play. Well, good. If your fourth liners start having that mentality and are able to pull off, you know, trying to make plays, controlled entries, and that kind of stuff, well, then now we're talking four scoring lines. And you're probably going to talk about a team that will push LA for possession. Assuming um, Latang is in the lineup, yes. It's funny, Billy West um, put, put down a tweet just before the game, I think it was, and it was like, you know, you've got a full complement of players, how, even without Latang, how much slack do you guys give? And it's like, I give this team a stack of slack until Latang's back. If Latang comes back and the team plays mediocre when Latang's back, then you start to worry. And you can see that this team cannot transition at the moment with Latang out of the lineup. They really do struggle to move with speed out of the zone. Yeah, and I want to say with Latang out of the lineup, and this is only last night's sample, Ian Cole played 21 minutes and 40 seconds of even strength, leading all yeah, that... defensemen. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's good for Ian Cole in the sense <laughs> that he's doing what's asked of him in the sense of I'm going to hop over the boards and do my best. He was a 35% possession player last night and leading the team in ice time. That is not fair to him. That is not the role that he can play in the NHL, and they're asking a lot of him to do that. So, to Bill West, yes, I think you got to give slack because there's ain't no chance in hell Ian Cole's leading the team in even strength ice time with Chris Letang in the lineup. No, it, I, I will say this. I feel very, very uh, sad for Derek Pouliot getting injured um, with Latang out of the lineup. If there was any any perfect time for him to be in the lineup 
where he can't really get demoted, this would have been it. And to have to have David Wasowski come up and fill that hole, um, just another sucker punch, really, for, for that player. And it should, does show you the lack of depth on, on, on Pittsburgh's back end, really. Yeah, it was unfortunate for him. He did. He was okay in his in his return to the lineup. Okay to good, I would say. Certainly not a bad game. Well, Wasowski? Uh, Pouliot when he played. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Everybody that watched him and wants to see him do well because it would be good for for the Penguins thought he was pressing. Do you know what I mean? Thought I, he was I pressing. certainly fall into that camp. Yes. Yeah, I I agree. You can tell he was he was. You watch from what he did the year before when he got in the lineup. He just played. This year, it's like you could tell that with all the effort he put in in the in the preseason, he didn't want to fuck up and didn't want to fail, and it was written all over his play. So hopefully he'll he'll get back in the lineup uh, soon and um, and we'll get an opportunity to show what he can do. But it's, I don't, it's I don't think it'll be Sid's soon. the best player in the world. Sid's the best player in the world, but Latang is this team's most important player. Yes, but part of that is because there's no one behind Latang that can even pretend to do what he does. Whereas Evgeny Malkin can certainly do a very great sit impression, if not just be himself. Yeah, exactly. So you have two generational centers. You lose one, you still have one, which is more than 75% of the NHL has, or probably even worse think, than that. <laughs> I think this is why you, what is it? You don't trade Juno because then you don't have Juno. Isn't that pretty much how it works? That would be my trade logic with that, yes. <laughs> that's, that's from the start. See, when you trade Evgeny Malkin, you don't have Evgeny Malkin. Exactly right. But, you know, in other years, maybe in Gonchar's heyday, you lose Latang. Well, Gonchar was a great puck mover and, and that kind of stuff. Um, maybe if – I hate to bring this back up. Maybe if someone like Jacob Truba playing right side is a puck-moving right defenseman, Latang's better than him, but you still have maybe something slotted behind him. Don't hate bringing that up. Well, we've done it so many consecutive times. And we will keep bringing it up. It's okay. Um, but you get what I'm saying? If you have somebody like that slotted behind yeah. Latang, then then yep. it becomes a little more easier to stomach. They don't have that. Trevor Daly's not that. Brian Dumoulin's not that on the left side, nor is Mata. Uh, even Pouliot playing well was probably stylistically closest, but he, he come on, give me a break. That's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Latang's the man. Hey, it's 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 funny. I remember. I don't know whether it was last year or the year before. You got there and you said, "I love watching Latang enter the zone on the power play," but then I wanted him to get off the ice. Um, you really noticed the lack of ability to enter the zone with Latang. Oh, he's so good roster. at it. And I know people. Uh, I I saw grumbling last year about that neutral zone drop pass that he does blindly. And sometimes it yeah. does connect. But I would argue it connects more times than not, and the Penguins do a yep. wonderful job with – because when that doesn't work, viscerally you're looking at it like, oh, my God, they, they fucked that up. It, like it's super obvious. But what you don't see on normal breakout plays – or, yeah, breakout, break-in on the power play is, yeah. well, guess what? The other way of doing it where everybody curls and comes together and it leads to a dump-in – how many times does that lead to an icing back the other way two seconds later? Why is that not valued the same as that? that because they made it past. 
they made it past the blue line and they got the puck deep. It's it's just it's that. You know logic. what I mean? I get, yeah, the, I know exactly. The end result is to gain zone with possession, and I'm gonna say that that drop pass in the neutral zone leads to a controlled entry way higher percentage than the the uh, classic way. I I'll say, but it only works with Latang. And it only works because they have Sid Crosby and Kessel on the re- receiving end of those plays, who all know how to gain this, uh, that the blue line with control. The thing, do you remember in the game against Florida how Pittsburgh couldn't get the puck back off Florida for what was it about forty seconds at one stage there? Yeah, it's because Justin Schultz couldn't retrieve the puck from the turnover. Latang just skates back there, bumps the guy off the puck, and takes it back and sits behind the net and waits. Uh, the other element to that, and I'm gonna. Put in some of my personal opinion on penalty killing. That person was Vincent Trocheck, who's very good. Yeah, they were able to that, to rag the puck and play keep away because they played a skilled guy up front that yeah. can handle the puck and skate like the wind. Uh, and that's what made Schultz look like look like crap because they had skill out there. It was just it was funny. I watched that and went, yeah, you can definitely tell that's not Latang chasing the puck. Like, oh shit, that's Vinny. <laughs> but I will say this. <laughs> Uh, because your example's true. Schultz is not Latang. Uh, Justin Schultz has been a nice um, player for them. 54% possession on the year. He's making the most oh, yeah. of his role. He's being slotted appropriately. Um, and as we transition later in the podcast to Edmonton, I'm noticing Taylor Hall, Nelly Yakupov, and Justin Schultz all doing really, well. really well in the roles that they've been given with their new teams. So... For Taylor Hall, his role hasn't changed. He's a kick-ass top left winger. Uh, Nail's role has changed. He's playing top six minutes and making the most of it. And Justin Schultz is not being expected to be a top-pairing guy. And he's been no, okay. So he's been okay. Good, I would say. With, with this Pittsburgh roster, do we talk about the elephant in the room with the fact that they've got a lot of money tied up next year in their goalies? Oh, shit, I forgot we even had the goalie thing. <laughs> I led with it, forgot about it. Eh, it happens. Okay, Matt Murray. I uh, don't know how anybody could have a complaint about the length or money of the contract. Yes, some comparables of yesteryear with goalies that have won the Stanley Cup coming off an ELC or still on an ELC fall in that $2.8 million range. I'm thinking of you, Cam Ward. But cap has Thank gone you. up since then, percentage of the contract thus being lower. So I think it's similar value to what those guys got many years ago. Oh, the thing that's scary about that is I think the general manager that signed that Cam Ward contract is the one that did the Matt Murray one. Um, no, but I think it's a good thing to have him signed, have options, because let's say this house of cards with the goaltending just completely tumbles as far as the expansion draft. Not let's say they can't move flurry or whatever. Like this would be the total last option for me, but at least they're protected in the sense that Matt Murray has shown a very good professional sample size at both the AHL and in the NHL. It's been very good. He's on a reasonable contract as far as money goes, very movable contract. They could get value in a Matt Murray trade. Yeah, they could. You're right. They, they are set up to that point where if if it gets to the, and I would consider it like yourself, the worst case scenario where they haven't been able to move Fleury, they're stuck in a situation where you obviously don't want to lose Murray for nothing. Um, 
you you would you should be able to obtain something of value back, even though the other team would know you're in a hole. That is, I want to stress my last option because yeah. I think that um, Flurry has done uh, has shown good play the last two years, but I'm not paying ten million in fucking goaltending. I'm not the Dallas Stars here. And, That's we, the one. And, and you can't do it. It makes no sense. You're not gaining anything. Uh, that's not good allocation of your cap money. We know how many average goaltenders there are out there. And we know that average is all a great team needs. So pour money into being a great team with average goaltending. Your chances of winning are that much more. You can't spend 10 uh, well, million. If, if you get there. Or close to 10, I should say. What did, what did Keith Yandel get to go play in Florida? Oh, uh, let's see. I'll pull it was up. It, right was now. it six? Was it six millish? Six three. There you go. Six three. So you trade Fleury. You've got another puck moving defenseman that I think is actually okay. Just to put some and, and and let's um, also say market value where you pay like Yandel six point three because they signed him as a UFA. Yeah. But your point's valid. That's think about the value. We hey, we don't have Chris Letang. Well, what the heck? What do we do now? Well, yeah. that money could be spent on maybe not, obviously not another Chris Letang, but somebody super competent that can do similar things. That's And that's where I would want the management to throw the money, finding another, at least a, a number two or a number three defenseman with that with the with the cap money from from a flurry trade. And everybody who this this podcast knows that he's my favorite player, but that's that's asset management. That's what you have to try and achieve just from having the cap room. Do you know what I mean? That that's what we're after here is the ability to add another quality skating player on that roster. And they don't need help up front. You can get there and make the argument, let's get a a legitimate winger for Sid. Fuck that. He's proven that he doesn't need it and the team doesn't need it, but we do need more depth in that back six. And they were hoping for it to come internally. Well, but he doesn't I, need I, another one. He needs at least one, and, and Hornquist is there. So Wilson can be the other guy. Uh, Malkin has – I like Kunitz. I think he does a lot more than maybe meets the He just can't finish anymore. No, but he whatever. Just finish anymore. The you see he gets so frustrated out there. It's so funny to watch at times. But you're right. D is where they need to – if they really want to be who they want to be, they need puck movers to get the puck up to to play that speed for it to make sense. Um, yeah. Daly's contract's going to be running out, and I don't think that's something that they should be diving headfirst no. into again. Um, nope. Great, great trade. That he's not Rob Scuderi. <laughs> it led to them <laughs> making a pretty great run in the playoffs. Even if you know he broke his ankle, but he he was part of why they got there. Hey, look, without you got to replace that. Yeah, because where he is with age and money, you you don't want to really invest term into a Trevor Daly at this point. No, and and thinking about that moving forward, that's yet another reason why it's really important that Fleury goes because you need to have that flexibility if you are going to have to fork out for a free agent, as opposed to getting someone under contract control then you're going to need the coin. You're going to have to have it because it'll be daily plus whatever you save on Flurry. Even age-wise they with Flurry, you've got to be thinking, you know, we, we got a younger guy that 
Yeah. Again, at worst, I think he's league average. I'm not looking for Matt Murray to be some kind of superstar. I just know league average at under four mil at that position. All right, I'm good. Yeah, and you might spend maybe six all up at the position because you've got to get a half-decent backup. Maybe, if you're crazy. I don't know. You know what I mean? There's always a grace out there somewhere. You just got to do a little research on it. There's enough holes in goalie evaluation with uh, upper management that there's a, there's there'll always be an okay option out there. In my but opinion. even still, even still, you've still filled the position at under five or under six. You know what I mean? And that's your point. They can because that, of the Murray contract. Yeah. It allows them and, to. And that's that's the point. You get there and go right. Without Fleury's contract, we can add a defender um, and try and fill that hole, get a little bit more depth. You know. Hopefully, maybe push Oli Mata down to, to be a third pairing defenseman because he's looking slower and slower every game. He's been okay since he left daily, though. I have to say that that's a bad. That's one of those where you look at the with or without use and you're like, this isn't working. And then <laughs> you know, as a as a coach and management team, they they can go through video analysis and then figure out exactly why. But at least the numbers are shouting at you. This pairing sucks. We need to change this. They Give have changed credit. it. I and, think they worked that out without having to look at the numbers, though. They saw what was going on and went, nope, let's change this. They no, weren't stubborn about it. There's tangible evidence that the pairing sucked. Yeah, yeah, I know that, but I don't think they needed it. They saw it and went, no, nope, toss it. And then the numbers would have just gone, yeah, you were right. So, but, um, you know, since then, Mata has um, improved because with Daly, he was 47.4. And then... Uh, Without him, he's sixty-one point two, and about equal minutes, about fifty minutes. So, what's his quality of competition? Do I you don't. Have uh, I think here's the thing with quality of competition. Obviously, playing against other teams' best players is going to be have a negative impact, but that's more okay. of a time on ice thing. If you play more, you're eventually going to catch the other teams. That's a valid point, actually. Yeah. So, so that's but been less recent. Proves that point very, very well. That yeah, him and Daly were just terrible. Now, it wasn't Schultz, the competition. And Mata are at 69.4% together. Which is. Their skating's about the same, I reckon. I don't think Schultz is a particularly fantastic skater. And maybe they both play the game at the same speed, which helps. Because it looks like Ollie's not sure whether to go or stay with Daly because he skates around everywhere. So, not to go off track um, on the goaltending Whoops, stuff. Sorry. Um, <laughs> here's ultimately how I'm perceiving the situation right now they're gonna go with the dual goalies the whole year i don't think you're gonna see a trade deadline trade one i think the goalie market's really tough to predict i don't think there's much of a market there i think ben bishop and yarrow halak are way more attractive options with expiring contracts because you got to think i keep hearing like um la and pittsburgh with flurry and i'm thinking no how how is that even possible? It doesn't Flurry work. has two more years of a contract after this year. How are they going to afford quick in that? And that doesn't make sense. You, the Kings, if they're in the goalie market, need an expiring contract. And that's assuming quick doesn't come back because when he comes back, the LTIR is gone. How do you fit both goalies under? Yeah, well, that's not. They need to steal grass. 
Okay, so I was just incorrect. Halak is not expiring. You're right. Grice is. Something like that. Yeah. You're right. Um, that's, that's, that's what they need. Like, that's the sort of area that they need to try and, and, and work in. Any, anybody with any more term than the end of this year just doesn't work for L.A. But Ben Bishop is the prime expiring UFA goalie, and if I was a team looking for a one-off run, I wouldn't be looking for Flurry. I'd be looking at Bishop. Even now, even now that he's got a hockey face with those two teeth missing, and I would even think about it with a Brian Elliott, depending on I don't know how the Flame season's going to go. But he's, he's expiring. He's, he's been he better lately. He had back-to-back good games. Started like hey, that. I, I thought he signed. A, I thought he signed a two-year deal in in Calgary. I'm seeing him as pending UFA. No, that's fine. I, I, I misread that. I thought he'd signed to, to go again the year after as well. So my bad. Maybe you're right and my information's wrong. Dude, I'm doing this all off the top of my head tonight. I, I, I am literally... I'm looking at my little hockey buzz cheat cheat cap thing. And it says pending UFA. It's usually right, so... Oh, well. Anyways, um, here's what I do think. I think that... They have two options. They can ask Flurry to waive his no movement clause, which would allow them to. Basically, what they would be saying is, Mark, are you open to going to Las Vegas? Don't know how much longer it yeah. recorded once we lost Cam. So, basically, my point here with Flurry um, they can do one of two things. They can ask him to remove his no movement clause, which would be implying um, going to Las Vegas. Are you good with going to Las Vegas? Because that would expose him and they could protect Murray. The other thing that I think Rutherford's been alluding to over the last few months is making a side deal with Las Vegas of saying, yeah, we know we're protecting Fleury. We know Murray's exposed. Don't take him. Here's our enticing offer for you to do just that. Or not to do just that. Yeah, and I think there's actually a legal window for the for all 30 teams to go ahead and do that too. So that is the more probable thing. I think you'll see both goaltenders playing out the year, which is fine within the 2016-17 season. They have a pretty good, assuming Latang is healthy, everything's structured <laughs> pretty good for them to make a deep run again, and it's nice insurance to have at the goaltending position uh, if you can do it. I think long-term it's a mistake. Inside of this season, they could could do that feasibly. And again, if they need an extra two mil, we we've already talked about where I would where I would find that. Yep, no, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. I I, I agree wholeheartedly with with all of that that you've just said. I think that's that makes a fairly good point. Um, looking at at the game today though, Florida uh, Florida have compiled a good roster because they're missing some key components there, and they still look good. Yeah, the Fancy Cats are on the right path. They, um, they're they one of the um, early-going top possession teams in the league, and um, they've been missing some pretty good players that you know can help on that front, in my opinion, uh, especially UC Jokinen, who's pretty underrated. They were without him the last few games. Uh, Florida's top five possession team right now just on shot attempts. 
Nick Bukestad's a good goal scorer, and uh, Jonathan Huberdo is the, the left wing of that Barkov-Yager line that was so dominant last year. Um, they lost Campbell but did a nice job plugging it with Yandel, even though the term's a little bit long, and Demers for the short term. So I like what they're doing. They look... It, it's a nice... They, like I said to you before the, the start of the podcast, the first two periods of that game were a little bit of a snooze fest, but when Pittsburgh started to ramp it up, so did Florida. Like They sort of went chance for chance, chance for chance. So Florida can slow you down and lull you to sleep, or if they need to go, they can go. Like They're pretty well coached as well. Um. Trading Kulikov for Mark Pizik, I think, was a very good move for them. Mark Pizik is leading their team in possession right now. So, you know, I haven't totally investigated his role, whether it's sheltered or not. But even if it is, he's kicking ass in that role right now. Um, Marchesel, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, the, the ex-Tampa guy. He's a very great depth player to have. His numbers in Tampa were very good as far as possession and producing offense for the time that he's on the ice. That's a nice little under-the-radar uh, signing by them, and you heard his name a lot last night. did. Yeah, you certainly did. Um, I want to say he was – what was he good at? Points? Yeah, he had a 1.61 points per 60. If you're talking about a depth guy, that's 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 good. Especially very cheap. So they're making these under the radar. They're very data-driven now. I think that's um, pretty well known at this point. Yeah. And and picking a guy like him up is just more evidence of them trying to do just that. So they're going to be dangerous. And they got a a pretty good goaltending combo. So if one goes down, uh, the other one's still pretty good. I still, I still don't understand the. It is peculiar. Um, that con, it's the, it's the, it's the Rhymer contract that has me baffled. Because uh, is is Lou going to retire? Because if he does, the contract still stays on their books. So to Vancouver. Really? I think so. Oh, because it was signed in Van, wasn't it? I think. Oh, that'd be. That would be the hilarious slap in the face at the end, wouldn't it? Well, same to Nashville and Weber. Oh, that's that's just so bizarre. A little bit. I think you should own the the contract when you trade for it, personally. Yeah, I, that's that's exactly right. If, if if Florida have got that longer contract, they should be the ones on the hook for it. It was the same thing. That's to... why uh, Buffalo bought out Airhoff. They didn't yes. want down the line to be pinched with it if something happened, so they're just like, fuck it, we'll just buy it out. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Stupid rule, but that's it's sort of well handled if you if you think about it. Um Yeah. I was surprised they played Rhymer in this in this game. I thought they were gonna play Lou. I like watching Lou play. I don't know how much of it has to do with their next game, Toronto. Wait, do they play tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. All right. I could have sworn... Well, that's an interesting decision. Um, Yeah. Speaking of of Toronto, have they... 
should they be concerned with Anderson or should they just play it out? Um, he's playing like shit. <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, no. But, this, this is why I'm asking the question. I would argue they overextended trading for him, even without you know this sample to draw from, because you know they could they could have used you know they could have gone some different routes and not maybe to trade for him and not just offer him a huge extension the way they did jumping right in. He's so not this the, bad. Whatever whatever analysis of him they went through in regards to what he was going to provide them, they were confident that they got it right, weren't they? Yeah. And he's not he's not as bad as he's playing right now, let's be completely no, honest. No, no, no. It's is a little he... bit it's a little bit Bobrovsky and, and and Columbus at the moment from last year. That's how Anderson's playing. That's not it's a ceiling, expect... but yes, agreed. But the expectations on this team at the moment are oh it's okay they can lose. And they've been in every game. So really. the previous three years he's played hundred and twenty five games. He's a nine two six even strength save percentage, so he's slightly above average. So he's not a bad goalie. He's playing like shit though, and he's costing them games because, lo and behold, the Leafs are playing good hockey. They are, they are. a middle of the road, well, probably a little bit better than middle of the road. They're seventh overall in shot attempt percentage. They're playing good hockey. They're driving play. Their young players are exciting. They are on the right path. But oh, and they have—I'm gonna just guess—the worst goaltending in the league. No, oh, somehow Carolina's worse than them. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the laugh of you is very, very funny. Because <laughs> I can't fathom somebody being worse than Toronto right now. Toronto's at 870 even strength, and Carolina's actually a percent lower, 886 percent, 860. Um, I really thought Eddie Lack would be better, but they're playing a lot of Cam Ward. I just thought Eddie Lack would be able to at least have them a little bit below league average as a team because Cam Ward would be well below. I didn't think both of them would be. And then you have Winnipeg uh, that's in third to last at 8-9-3, which is significantly better than 8-7-0 and 8-6-0. So Toronto and Carolina are like in a league of their own right now on how bad their goalies are playing. And Toronto is sitting in seventh place at one, two, and three. They are underachieving for how they're playing because of one position player. And that's rough. They should, they, be, should... they should have a winning record right now based on how they're playing, at least how I'm looking at it. And and, and to, to be honest, it's, it's good that they've got a coach like Babcock because this this was pretty much... The way they play now, whilst they don't have the same depth of personnel, right, that he had when he was in Detroit, it's the same. It's the same system. He he actually said it. I just need better players to play what I want them to do, and it'll work. They just need this goalie to to be at worst Mike Vernon. You know. Wow, that's a callback. <laughs> that's that's what they need. Well, you know, they won their first cup under Babcock with. With Vernon, didn't they? No, that was Scotty. Well, that's awesome. That was Scotty. And then it was Chris Osgood. Sorry, my bad. I went one one goalie, two. One mediocre goalie and uh, all-time coach. (laughs) You know, but that's, like you said, league average. That's all they need Anderson to be, and they probably would have a a winning record at the moment. So Now, they have Enroth. Enroth should be getting a little bit of time. He's He's no slouch himself. 
But how how much do they care about winning at the moment? Do they want to have another season where they're not great and get a good draft pick again? Like, would they be okay with having a, a poor result year if they're in all these games and they are losing them, knowing that it's the goaltending? I don't think goaltending could possibly stay where it is. So if no, they keep playing then, well, then... I think they're looking to win games. Yeah, which they will. Like well, he, he cannot be that bad all year, right? Well, but if I they lose enough this. games, yeah. They want to use their young players, and if winning comes along with that, great. Exactly. Because they that, just dropped, of, they yeah. just put McCulloch on waivers. Brooks Like is down in the minors. There's a clear shift towards, hey, we got to play these younger guys. And it'll be interesting to see if Kasperi Kapanen or um, Kirby Reichel make their way up eventually. Yeah. It, uh, Seth Griffith is another it, younger it, guy that they picked up. They've, they've filled it. it. I think you can see already from the start of this year is that they they're obviously lacking – NHL depth in their defensive end of the ice. And Polak is a turnstile. And when these kids make turnovers because they're trying to move the puck up the ice with possession rather than chip and chase, they're going to make a turnover in the wrong spots of the ice. And Polak can't recover. They are going to need to find some guys with some wheels back there. So... Yeah, but they um, have a good start with Riley Gardner, and I think the Zaitsev yeah. uh, young guy. Yeah, you've got three guys there, but like three, four, uh, th- like four, five, and six on their depth chart. They, well, they, they drafted need... number one overall last year for a reason. Exactly. So then, the fact I think they're making in, great strides already. Yeah, the fact that they're in all of these games, and like you said, average goaltending, and they probably win them. So if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you've got to be stoked with the direction this team's going in. Yeah, and the best part is Nazem Kadri's an, an underappreciated uh, value player. He does a lot of great things. Um, he can be a number two center behind Austin Matthews now. What a nice luxury. Yeah. At $4.5 million for another counting this year. One, two, three, four, five, six more years. That's great. Through his prime at a very reasonable rate, and Austin Matthews kicking ass ahead of him. Uh, they got a great one-two combo for years to come. So center's set as far as the hard parts. They got Riley and Gardner who, you know, they're not elite-level defensemen. They're not like the Aaron Eckblads of their age bracket. But they're really good puck movers, in my opinion. There's a good start. Uh, Would you consider them as, like, two number twos? Uh, two or three remains to be seen. Yeah. That's um, the, the I There's love Mitch some... Marner and William Nylander is going to be good. So you got really some good stuff coming up through. And if Kasperi Kapanen can be like a depth, like a like a Penguins three scoring line with HPK kind of thing, and he's on that third line, that's pretty good too if he pans out. They'll get it sorted. I I actually I can kind of see where they're heading. Well, kind of. You can see what they're trying to do. It looks like it's going to move in the right direction. I think the only thing that can screw them up is, is if they jump the shark and try to do a big move early, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they don't. And, need and to. try to make a change. No, they don't need to, but you just you, you just don't want management to for their eyes to get too big too quickly. That's all. They've lapped Buffalo, in my opinion. 
What was that? I think they've lapped Buffalo in the rebuild. Oh process. yeah, no, you, you, you're right there. Hey, look, obviously the Eichel injury to to, to Buffalo and, and a couple of the other no, injuries. No, Eichel aside, even if he's in the lineup, Buffalo's done a horrific job with their defense core, whereas Toronto at least has those three pieces that we referenced. What's Buffalo and got on D? Ristolainen playing in an elevated role that he can't handle right now because his partner's Josh Georges, who's a fringe. To put it politely, a fringe NHLer at this point, playing top line minutes. So your best defenseman is just getting clobbered. There's nothing behind him that's even close to a Gardner or Riley. He's not a, a Gardner or Riley yet. So that's the problem you've got when you bottom out. You, you you can't afford to have, you know, the forward half of your your roster developing and, and moving forward. And then, like you said, you've got one guy out there on his own on an island trying to get the puck up to them all. It's just, it doesn't work that way. So it, like we've said before, it's easy to bottom out and, and, and run for that run for that draft pick, but constructing it back together and putting things back together can be very difficult. And if they miss time that back end, they're going to waste a couple of years, I reckon, Buffalo. Their forward depth stinks too. Their top six forward players are, are very talented. I think they've done a nice job there. But past that, I mean, they got some really – Shit forwards. Are you concerned about the Pissick? Was it Trotchev? No. Kulikov. The Pissick. Kulikov, that's it. Yes. Trade. In regards to Murray actually putting together a good roster, that trade doesn't bode well. It doesn't inherently mean he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's it's a check mark in the I don't understand the direction of this move. Column. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You shouldn't have done that column. Yeah. Because no, it's no, bringing no. something that your back end lacks. And you've brought in a physical and, guy who yep. um, can't do those things. And more expensive, mind you. And, and who's you a pending UFA. Maybe that's all they wanted out of him. But you should have kept Pissick. That's the reality. I wouldn't want to trade with the fancy cats right now and, and feel comfortable Ooh. that... I got one over on them. Probably not the case. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do we want to swing out west? Yeah, quickly else? swing out west. Um, so Edmonton's in first. Yes, they are. That's very surprising. Who's in second? Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> now, Vancouver was uh, leading the NHL in shot suppression in the good way. Like, they weren't allowing any shots through their super small sample early on. Um, that has since changed. They're middle of the road on that department, but they're not really generating much. It's hey, hey, so, so they were leading the league, and then in what, like one game? It went from leading the league to games. middle of the road? Or was it two games? They are 27th overall in possession now. Jesus Christ, it doesn't take much this time of the year, does at, it? To... At, at 45.2%, so that's very, that's not good. But they're winning. Jesus. But yep. this could be a Colorado situation from a few years back where you're like, yes, they're winning. However, is it sustainable? Are they actually good? Yeah, um, yeah probably is, not. <laughs> is Ryan Miller being 2010 Ryan Miller? Yeah, right. Um, yes, the answer is yes. They're top five in goaltending right now. Yeah, 
and, and that's the thing. If Miller can stay healthy, he can cover up a lot of holes and this Vancouver management will once again mismanage what their expectations of this roster are. So Vancouver, you know, it's good that they're like their goal is to make the playoffs. I think it's a misguided goal for where they are. They should probably be looking to go the other way intentionally, but they're not. So they do need these wins. Isn't it like you've got the twins. It's like, how do you tank? You can't because you can't move one of them. They got to come as a package. Who the hell has $14 million in cap space and the assets to acquire? Phoenix. Oh, no, they don't have the cap space. Well, Phoenix would. Are they still that low on the cap even with all that dead space? I think that dead space got them to the floor. Okay. I actually thought it got them a little further. That's terrible. Um yeah, so it's the, it's the thing with with Vancouver. It's like they're they're in a they're in a tough bind in regards to where they're going and what they're they doing. They put themselves there though. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's it's funny. They they are the polar opposite, I think, of of, of Edmonton in a sense of Edmonton feels like everything is rushing up now. It's like all of a sudden they've finally started to get blood rushing to the right parts of their body and things are moving in the right direction. Edmonton's winning. Obviously, they're five and one, but you know they're not driving play at a high rate. But they're not kind of well. They're twenty fourth overall, forty seven point two percent. It's a step up from being thirtieth, which they've been famously there for a number of years. So. I don't think if they stay in that 47% area, the winds are going to keep rolling up. No, but they, they do have that luxury of having Connor McDavid make something out of very few chances. Oh, he's... You know I mean? That's... That, that reminds me of, like, 06, 07 Penguins who weren't good possession-wise at all. And uh, Sid and Gino just... Kind of saying, all yeah. right, I'll um, I'll take, I got this, because even um, they're when the year they first went to the Stanley Cup final with M- Michael Terrian, the one they lost to Detroit, care to the take a, Yeah, you know he was added later, but care to take a stab at what their possession was that year? Uh probably say forty three, forty five point four. They were uh, 29th overall, and that's totally bucking the logic trend of puck possession. But it shows you how elite Crosby and Malkin were, and how great that was Fleury's career year, too. So everything worked to get him there. Um, That's going to have to happen with Edmonton if they don't kind of build and and drive play a little bit better. But for them to break their little playoff drought picking up wins like this early on, and maybe they fix this moving forward, that's that's really good for them. Because right, so, I see so LA as vulnerable without goaltending. Very much so. And, and and we've already spoken about Anaheim's vulnerability as well. But how... Look, my, my issue with the Edmonton roster is I don't know if their defensive six can move the puck to their forwards with speed, either skating it out themselves or with quick, accurate, short passes in the zone, 
or long breakout pass. I don't think that 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 back six can do that frequently enough to allow the forwards to break out a little bit quicker, uh, a little bit early, and go. And I, I and they're committed to a few of these guys now. Like they've they were now on their way to get Larson, so they've got to rely on him being able to do do that. You Nobody, better be good. <laughs> I know. Well, no, this is the thing. It's like. He might be good at, at suppressing shots, but is he any good at helping them generate shots? Because he's probably going to be out there with McDavid. So if he cannot help McDavid get out of the zone with speed, then he's neutering what McDavid can do. I, I think it's one of the things that frustrates me about the argument with, you know, Larson being so good at suppressing shots. So you can't pair him up with McDavid. So McDavid's going to be out there 22 minutes a game. What are you going to have Larson out there every other minute with McDavid's not? It just doesn't make sense. They've had a weird start to the season. The two Calgary games, Calgary um, outshot them, but Elliott was a real dud, so they they scored seven and five goals, so they're two and zero. Then they outshoot Buffalo and lose six to two. <laughs> it's like what? And then, uh, and then guess who they played next? Carolina, oh, okay. and we spoke about the, yeah, their worst in the NHL right now in goaltending, and they won 3-2. to two. Uh, St. Louis wins a good one. I'll give them that, totally. Um, and then Winnipeg yeah. also I think is a good one. I, I like I, – Winnipeg's fun. They are, but they're Lacking having – Lacking They're 27th, aren't they, as well in goaltending. But, yeah, it... – <sighs> This standoff is, is going to be really interesting because... It's really hurting there now, and they need to collect points if they want to make the playoffs in that division. Ownership uh, is obviously behind the general manager, though. I think because... Elliot Friedman was reporting, maybe. Maybe Elliot Friedman. One of uh, the people that is respected at his level. That they've gotten some interesting levels of interest. They've gotten offers that have been interesting. So... Teams are interested, clearly. Uh, it's just a matter of when that goes down. The sooner the better for them. Yep, they, they need to get they need to get because they're going to get good offers. I mean, I do believe they'll get good offers. Uh, it's just a matter of balancing. How long do we hold out for a better one versus how many points are we losing right now? Because Jacob Truba's freaking good. And he's not in the lineup, and there's we don't have the trade assets back that replace him yet. They've they've also only got a month left because if they don't sign him before December one, even if someone else does sign him, he can't play for the year. He's out. Yeah, if he's not, and, so, that, so, and that won't help the no, Jets so at the, all. The closer they get, the closer they get to that date. Like there's going to be a tipping point where the deal, the offers get worse because the the other team has the chance of losing that player because they don't sign him in time. So you can't play chicken for too long. You ran out of road. Right. So it's a delicate situation. They can't mess the trade up, but they're also hurting their short term. Uh, playoff position. So, and with the way Colorado's playing, there is no wiggle room in that division. Well, the funny thing about the way that Colorado's playing is uh, they're not really playing all that well. 
they are dead last at 43.7% in possession through their five games. They look a lot more fun to watch. That's valid, but they are they are um, not driving play that better, much better than they did. So let's see, it was a lot worse. I went that five, bad five, with five games, so we'll see. Mm. So did you say was it was it lean back that the Kings looked at? Yeah, that's that's not the answer. <laughs> I don't care what the question is. Yeah, well, that person is always asking a different question to everybody else anyway, that general manager. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that general manager. There's so many things that have come out in the last few couple of years that, you know, not not favorable in my opinion. So... He might be a grumpy old man, but that coach is all right. He's still able to get possession out of that man, team. Man, he, he's propped up the GM for years, it's looking like. <laughs> it does a little bit. Because that, that that Kings roster is nowhere near as deep as it has been in the past. They, and they are still driving possession like crazy. Every year they're one or two, or they, they are there. And um, I think a lot is... And we don't, we haven't done a great job in the analytics community of, of kind of pinning coaching impact yet. I think we're just scratching the surface with something like that. And um, it, the players don't score a lot, but man, do they do a great job of eliminating the other team's ability to do just that by having the puck all the time. Yeah. It's 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 amazing, and it's that roster's had a lot of turnover in the last couple of years, and they're still doing it. And like you said, the ability to try and put a value on coaching that assists that will it'll be great to see that when it happens because it'll be fantastic to compare eras and and years of of, of coaching from one to an. You know what I mean? Like that'll be awesome when, when we can we can get ahead and and do that. But the, to, for me. If, if he can manage to get that team uh, into the playoffs, um, considering that, that they've got nothing in net at the moment, will be a Herculean effort. And they'll do it purely on the fact they have the puck and the other team doesn't. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we talked a lot of hockey today. Yeah. Two, two sections of the podcast. No idea how... Uh... My editing skills will be meshing that little middle part together where we, we lost the call for a little bit, but whatever. I'm sure, yeah, I'm, sure you guys, I'm sure you guys will survive however that turns <laughs> out. So, yeah, I think that'll do it. I think you can go to patreon.com slash hockeyhurts uh, to visit our donation page. You can go to hockeyhurts.com, hockey underscore hurts, walshy 66 Gunner Stahl, all on Twitter, HockeyBuzz.com, for uh, my writing. Anything else? I think you've done it all. That's it. Thanks, guys. Yep. We'll, um, we've kind of been on a Wednesday-ish schedule, so I don't think that'll change in the near future. I, I don't believe it will. So look for us in the middle of the week. It used to be kind of Fridays, but, uh, yeah. It's been working this way for both of us for 
for the time being. So I think we're going to stick with it. I like it. So cool. All right. See you next time. Bye.